Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the New Testament letter to the Romans, found on page 918 in your pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along. Before I read the scripture, let's go to God in prayer. O God, in the reading of your word, may we be given light to see. May your word rest in our hearts and minds, and in so doing, transform us into your faithful people. Amen. Listen now for a word from the Lord found in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit. Since the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, I know that we tend to not be very charismatic in this space. But I hope that when we hear the words of scripture that were just read, you might feel a little bit of energy rush in your body. Perhaps even if you were in a different space, you might want to shout a little, Amen. Paul, for several chapters has reminded us of our brokenness, of our impending death, of our humanity. He ends chapter 7 declaring that he is a servant, bound in his mind to God, but bound in his humanity to sin. It sounds like there is no hope for him, and no hope for us, for that matter. Paul climaxes his letter with this shouting good promise. There is therefore now 
no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. No condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Even though Paul finds himself bound up in choosing selfish desires, Christ offers a verdict of not guilty. Even though we fall short, the good news is for us. We are not condemned, broken though we may be, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In just a few moments, we'll be blessed to observe the sacrament of baptism. I love this sacrament because it's a visible reminder for us of God's grace. That we have been made one with Christ. And because of that, Christ dwells in us washing away that guilty verdict, the verdict we often deserve, and instead offers us newness of life. In baptism, we are marked as ones who belong to God because Christ dwells in us. Not because of something we can do for ourselves, but because of what Christ has already done for us. It is for this reason we are free from condemnation. What Paul goes on to tell us is not that there is a battle between two parts of ourselves. That's not what Paul is saying. Rather, he is saying that we must choose again and again what will have power in our lives. I want to make sure you understand what I mean here. For a long time, the church has taught that our bodies, our physical flesh, are bad. But I believe we must listen to the whole of Scripture. And if we believe the creation story that says we were made in the image of God and God said that we were good, then we should believe that. So our bodies are not inherently bad made in the image of God, we are good. And so I do not think Paul is saying that our bodies are the issue, but at times we allow our flesh to have power to rule over us instead of God's spirit. This is where death enters the equation. Earlier in chapter 7, Paul says, I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. This is what it's meant when he speaks of the flesh. That is where we cease to be bearers of life as ones made in God's image. We see this a lot when we look around in our world. Choosing power of flesh instead of the power of the spirit. We see it when we choose to hoard what we have instead of sharing with those in need. Letting the power of flesh rule and giving in to greed. 
We see it with the way creation is groaning, with animals becoming endangered, giving in to the power of flesh and allowing for our desires for more to take over spaces that offered once a safe shelter for all of creation. Death is what it looks like when we allow our flesh to have ultimate power, to be the ruling law of our lives. And I have to admit, it feels pretty natural. In fact, A.M. Hunter once cited a young American girl's negative estimation of the Ten Commandments. She said, you know those Ten Commandments? They just, they put ideas in your head. It's characteristic of human nature. As soon as something becomes forbidden, then it's desirable. We hear thou shalt not, and our flesh says, but doesn't that seem like a really fun thing to do? Thou shalt not, and we say, but who will ever really know if I take just a little more for myself? But if we believe the good news, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. If we believe the promise that Christ dwells in us, then there is another way. We seek day after day to set our mind on the things of the Spirit, as verse 6 tells us. For in the Spirit there is life and peace. Louise de Graffenried offers a beautiful example of what it looks like to live by the Spirit. You may not have heard of her. Let me tell you her story. You see, it all started on a Tuesday morning, February 21st, 1984, when Louise's husband, Nathan, got up from his bed in Mason, Tennessee, to let their cat outside. Cat, as they called him, stood at the edge of his porch with his hair bristled, his back arched, and he hissed. What do you see out there, cat? Nathan asked as he squinted in the darkness. Suddenly, a big man stepped from around the corner of the house and pointed a shotgun at Nathan. Lord, honey, Louise heard her husband shout, open the door, he's got a gun. But before she could open the door, the man with the gun had shoved Nathan inside, pushing him and Louise against a wall. The bulky man shouted, don't make me kill you, and he thrust the gun in their faces. The elderly couple knew immediately that the intruder was one of the five inmates that had escaped the week before. He was Riley Arsenault of Memphis, who along with four other inmates had found his way out of Fort Pillow State Prison the previous Saturday. Louise de Graffenried, a 73-year-old grandmother, stood her ground. Young man, she said, I'm a Christian lady. I don't believe in no violence. Put that gun away and sit down. I don't allow no violence here. 
Riley began to relax the grip on the shotgun. He looked at her for a moment, and then he laid the gun on the couch. Lady, Riley said quietly, I'm so hungry. I haven't had nothing to eat for three days. Young man, Miss Louise said, you just sit down there and I'll fix you breakfast. Nathan, go get this man some dry socks. With that, Miss Louise went to work. She fixed him a full breakfast, bacon, eggs, toast, milk, coffee, and then she got out her best cloth napkins and set the table. When they sat down together, Miss Louise took the strange man by the hand and said, young man, let's give thanks that you came here and that you're safe. She said a prayer and then she asked him if he would like to say anything to the Lord. He didn't say anything. And so she told him, why don't you just say Jesus wept? He did. And then they all ate breakfast. Will Williman, who reported this in 1984 for the Christian Century, later asked Miss Louise, why did you tell him to say Jesus wept? Because I figured he didn't have no church background, so I wanted to offer him something simple. Miss Louise said that after breakfast, they sat there and she began to pray. She held his hand and patted his leg. She said, young man, I love you, and God loves you. God loves us all, every one of us, but especially you. Jesus died because he loves you that much. You sound just like my grandmother, Riley said. She died a few years ago. Just then, Nathan saw a tear fall from the boy's cheek. That's about the time they heard the police cars coming down the road. You see, a friend had been on the phone with Miss Louise and had called the cops when she overheard the initial commotion and their call was ended abruptly. They're going to kill me when they get here, Riley said. No, young man, they're not going to hurt you. Miss Louise said, you've done wrong, but God loves you. Then she and her husband took him by the arms and helped him up and led him out of the kitchen towards the door. You just let me do all the talking, Miss Louise said. The police got out of their cars with their guns drawn, and she shouted at them like she had shouted at Riley. Y'all put those guns away. I don't allow no violence here. Put them away. This young man wants to go back. Nathan, she said, you bring this young man out to the car. The police handcuffed him and took him back to prison. The story could have gone differently. You see, both the Washington Post and the New York Times reported that later on that same afternoon, two of the prisoners who had been separated from Riley earlier had entered a suburban backyard where a family was barbecuing. The husband ran into the house and came out with the gun, and the escapees shot him, killing him and taking his wife hostage. Williman asked Miss Louise if she was frightened, 
No, she said, Nathan was scared, but not me. I knew God was with me, that God had sent that young man to us for a reason. I knew God would lead me in the right direction. The DeGraffin Reeds were longtime members of Mount Sinai Primitive Baptist Church. Miss Louise and her husband, in fact, refused to testify against Riley when he was prosecuted for escaping prison. Instead, they chose to see the good that God sees in us, to choose life and build a connection with that young man. They maintained correspondence with Riley regularly, developing a relationship with him, helping him recognize his true identity as a child of God, just like Miss Louise had said. Riley came to know that not only did Louise love him, but God loved him, that Miss Louise was right. God loves us all, every one of us, especially you. Riley Arzenault became a Christian in 1998, and 10 years later, this stranger-turned-family friend served as a pallbearer at Louise de Graffenried's funeral. This is just a snapshot of what it might look like if we set our minds on things of the Spirit. Not only do we experience, but those around us have a chance to experience God's goodness of life and peace. Certainly, there is a call for us to choose life, for each of us to allow God's Spirit to rule over our lives on a daily basis. But I also believe that just as scripture speaks of the church as the body of Christ, as a part of Faith Presbyterian, we are called as a community to choose life. As a community, we can allow the spirit to rule in life-giving ways that show those around us that death does not have the final word. As Christ dwells in us, we can offer life by supporting programs that feed the hungry, like manna and Second Harvest. We can support children in our community through partnerships like the Seeley Elementary School Partnership. We can offer care and compassion for those who have left everything behind and come here as refugees. You see, we have power with the Spirit to choose life and to choose life not just for ourselves, but for others. But we have to make that choice over and over again. Miss Louise set a table for a young man who needed her help. And in our own way, we are afforded the same opportunity. May we individually, and as a community of faith, Choose to believe that there is no condemnation for us because we bear the indwelling of Jesus Christ. And may we embody the gospel in such a way that others experience that life-giving good news of a God that loves them no matter what. To the glory of God. Amen.